Welcome to another live episode of the Guide Live B2B Jam Session, the hottest software as a service jam session in the world. Today, I hope you're enjoying a lovely day. I'm tuning in and beaming in from Oakland, California, this lovely Tuesday afternoon. If you are tuning in from Oakland, please show us some love in the comments. And more importantly, let us know where you're tuning in from. I want to give a few shout outs to some of the people who are tuning in today because we're going to have a lovely, lovely episode today. And more importantly, if you are taking care of yourself, your health, your mental health, your physical health at work, at home, please show yourself some love because today I'm going to be talking to a really, really special guest who's just as passionate about the holistic wellness of employees and their success than any other leader that I know. And he's incredibly passionate about lifelong learning and leadership. And we're going to dive deep and talk about that today. Today, I am talking with Oliver Schaubenberger, who is the Executive Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, and Chief Technology Officer at SAS. And he's going to share a little bit about what SAS does. It's not software as a service. Keep that in mind. It's SAS. They do something completely different, but they're amazing. And they're one of the top leading companies in their area. You know, Oliver believes in empowering employees, combining freedom and responsibility, removing obstacles, and getting out of their way. So he's a definitely a people leader. He's one of my favorite people leaders, actually. And he's actually been on a huge, 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 um, huge stream of just talking a little bit about lifelong learning, especially given what's going on currently right now with how so many people are still struggling through the pandemic and COVID-19. So we're going to dive deep a little bit on his love for customer-driven innovation, which starts with your people. In addition to that, innovation that meets the needs of the customer and requires people leaders to really invest in lifelong learning and development for their people. And I'm going to actually have him kind of open up the windows a little bit and share a little bit more about SAS's culture and what makes it unique and some of his mindset and leadership philosophy and how he's been successful in leading the teams at SAS. So with that said, show up some love and more importantly, tune in, get involved in the conversation. I want to show love to Eric, who's tuning in from Seattle. Eric, what's up, man? Was just in Seattle. We should have met up, man. We should have met up. Next time I'm out there, we should definitely meet up. Patrick, tuning in from Colorado. Patrick, Welcome, man. Excited to speak with you and have you tune in to my guest, uh, uh, Oliver, today, who's going to be talking a little bit with us. Shout out to Edith, who's tuning in from Texas, as well as another LinkedIn user who we sadly could not see their name. Thank you all so much for joining us. And Mr. Boucher, who is currently walking, watching the Timbo show, as he likes to call it, from Texas, Seattle. Let us know, Mr. Boucher. Let us know. We would love to show you some love and praise. With that said, let's welcome Oliver. Oliver, what's up, my friend? Hey man, how are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be here. Oliver, it's an honor to have you on the show. You know, you're one of my favorite leaders that I've actually been kind of keeping a track of as we all kind of go through this pandemic together. You've been doing some awesome things recently. You were actually on a webinar with Simon Sinek. How was that? It was awesome. I hope it was good for Simon too. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Simon and I've benefited so much of it. Uh, from his talks, from his writings, his, I call it his teachings. You know, I don't agree with everything he says, but everything Simon says gives me something to think about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, his his approach to leadership, from leadership from compassion, empathy, yeah. human relationship, is is really resonate with me. I came into a leadership role first, technical leadership, and then people leadership role, sort of by accident, was not planned. Mm -hmm. uh, I joined SaaS in two thousand two as a software developer, writing code. And 
to just sling code and I was loving it. And then as my responsibilities grew, I found myself in, uh, in a role to lead uh, a technical uh, 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 project at SAS in high performance analytics. And then it grow, grew and I took on uh, people leader responsibilities. And today I have almost 11,000 people reporting to me. Wow. So somewhere along the way, you have to develop your leadership skills, your leadership yeah. style, who you are as a person. Um, and what really resonated with me is leading can be learned. Mm. It is not, you're not a natural born leader. It's something that you can, you can learn, you can exercise, you can set yourself goals, you can observe yourself, you can ask yourself, am I doing today better than I did two months ago? Yeah. Rather than compare yourself to other people. Yeah. Um, it is the idea of continuous improvement of yourself, same as continuous improvement of the organization uh, you work for or you're associated with. That's really a, a very important message. And the other one was leadership is choice. Mm. It's not a function of position or title. Now, if you're in a certain position and have a certain title, you expect it to be a leader. Yeah. But we, we have many, many leaders in, in non-managerial roles and in, in, in technical roles and in individual contributor roles that actually lead and push the company forward. And I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a very, very, very important thing. Um, I, th I see the connection between lifelong learning and leading as, as, very, as very important, and I'm very passionate about that. Um, I started out as a forester. Wow a forest manager in the training for forest management in Germany in the Black Forest. And here I am I, uh, being COO and CTO of uh, one of the largest private software companies in the world. And how do you connect the dots, right? I went to school for 25 years, mm -hmm. 25 years of classroom style teaching where I was sitting in, in a row and somebody was up front lecturing. Started at age five and I ended in Germany. I ended at age 30 with my PhD from Virginia Tech. And I learned a lot of but I don't have a degree in most of the things I do today. I don't have a degree in accounting. Would help. I don't have an MBA. <laughs> it would really help me in my job. Yeah. I don't have a degree in artificial intelligence or data science. That would be good too. But it's it's not it, it it's not available to me right now. I don't have that, and that's okay. Um, there was an important realization that these degrees are important parts of our growing and learning, and they're just waypoints as I look at them on your trajectory through your career, through your professional career and through your life. Mm -hmm. And real learning really started afterwards. Wow. And so I, I think about just in, being in a technology space. SaaS um, has been around for 44 years, where, as I mentioned, we're uh, one of the largest private software companies in the world, which makes us unique, our size and being private. It has a lot to do with our culture. Happy to talk about that. Um, and we do data and analytics advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, mostly for large enterprises uh, and uh, uh, governments, uh, large organizations. Um, so what is the path? How do you grow into these roles along, along the way? If you have a mindset that whatever role you, you're in right now, yeah. that you want to spend energy, but not to retain that. You want to spend energy to grow out of it. And you don't necessarily know what is that next phase or the next step you're taking or the next role that's waiting behind it. But if you approach it with a growth mindset, that your talents and abilities, they are not limited. They are not limitless, but they're expandable. That you have boundaries and maybe you have not found them yet. And when you find them, push them out and, mm. and go beyond that. 
it, it often takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit and it feels strange and it feels uncomfortable, but that's part of growing. So if you associate yourself with organizations, with mentors, with people that have that growing mindset, good things will happen. If on the other hand, your mindset is very much fixed, that I am this, what you see is what you get, predetermined yeah. individual that we has these boundaries <laughs> and within those boundaries, I, will, I shall operate. Um, you don't maybe have the same opportunities. Now today, when, um, as I, as I mentioned, I don't have the uh, many of the degrees that would teach me, you know, formally teach me in a classroom style setting or a university setting or college setting, the skills that I need and the technologies and methodologies I need to do my work job. I still need to do my job. So I need to find different ways to get those skills to sort of to train up. Um, new technology rolls around. All of a sudden, somebody talks about blockchain. Yeah. Okay, Oliver, tell me what is SAS's position on blockchain. Well, as CTO, I better have to. I better have one. You better have a perspective on that, right? Yes. And so I, I, I think about these conversations and like these new technologies as having three different types of conversations. Mm. One is with somebody who has no idea what that technology is, and I want to relate uh, the, the 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 essentials of it. Think of it: the thirty-second elevator speech. Yeah. The, the next conversation with somebody who thinks they know what it is, and I want to present my perspective, which might not be completely congruent with theirs, hmm. uh, but have a conversation about it. And the third one is with somebody who is a real expert in that area. And I want to make sure that the conversation for him or her is really valuable and that it's a good use of their time. I'm not trying to teach them anything. I'm trying to learn, but know enough to have a valuable conversation. You kind of, you kind of, kind of, you kind of create your own learning regimen. Um, as new technologies, new um, new subject areas grow up. And this is kind of like the, the regimen that you follow to stay informed as a people leader. Um, yes, to, to work your way into a subject, whether it's technology mm -hmm. or, you know, gap accounting or business planning. It is, it's a new world out there. And I know there's a formality to learning it. Um, and so how do I introduce myself to it? And I, I read a lot. I watch TED Talks. I listen to podcasts. I pick up books talk to people. And so I start building sort of a, a, a universe of ideas, you know, and then that, that, that shapes your thinking. Um, then try to find a lot of time to step away and just think through it, make up your own mind, connect the dots. And I think we're in an incredibly uh, powerful period right now. There's so much can be done now digitally. You know, the digital transformation, the digital revolution is really very real. Um, I can go on the internet and I can find materials, really uh, first-class materials um, to educate myself on something, to train something, to try something out. Mm -hmm. I can download um, software to try something out if I want to, if I want to get my, 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 uh, my hands dirty and really understand technology. So 20, 30 years ago, that was not available. You would go to the library or you would be in a classroom. So we have a lot of opportunity today to, to very quickly, um, skill up, if you will. And an important message is you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's great to be perfect, but you don't have to be um, a, a world-class expert at everything in order to do a good job. Mm -hmm. um, and understand that you're part of an ecosystem. There are people and there are teams and there's other organizations, there are tools available to you that can help you do better at that. 
Um, so I'm not an expert in sales, not an expert in professional services, yet I lead those organizations at SaaS. So I make sure that the leadership team around me helps me do the job that uh, I need to do. And that's a very important part of mm. leadership and especially in technical areas. Yeah. Because we often come in, we come through the technical ranks, just as I did as a software developer. And then all of a sudden you find yourself at the threshold, precipice, whatever you want to call it, to management, to people management. And uh, uh, your role changes a great deal all of a sudden. Mm. You actually get promoted or you get elevated to those roles because you're doing such a great job in the technical role. But all of a sudden, you're no longer the person in charge of doing the work, as Simon says, Simon Zinek, you're the person in charge of the people who do the work. Yeah. And with this, your approach and your perspective has to change. Um, I wrote a blog, a LinkedIn post, uh, about the day I stopped coding. <laughs> Tell us more yes. about it. <laughs> February 11th, February 11th, 2016. Wow. When I wrote my last lines of code for SAS. And up until then, I was a prolific programmer. Wow. And it, it hurt, you know, it was painful to let go of something I love so much and care so deeply about, but I couldn't just do a good job at coding in addition to all the other responsibilities I had as an executive. Um, but today I live through the teams that do the coding. I see what they're building with a technology. I had my, you know, I, I had my, uh, 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 I contributed to, and it's incredibly rewarding. I don't feel like, hey, Okay, let, let me bring up a debugger. Let me fix that code. No. <laughs> let me get involved. Yeah. You show me what is possible, and I, I'm loving that, right? So you have to live through the people you lead. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Oliver. You know, who was someone, you know, either before you joined SAS or as you kind of were forming your early career perspective on leadership, who's someone that kind of really shaped your perspective on leadership? And before we, you know, we have you answer that, I want to show love to our amazing community who has been super engaged in a lot of what you are saying. Carl is saying so true. It's easy to find yourself in a leadership position without really planning to be there. But once you realize you are, you better get to grips with it. Do you agree, Oliver? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it's a and it's a learning opportunity, yeah. but you know if you go into it uh, assuming that you 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 just boom and you have all the answers, uh, I don't think that's a that's a good model. If you go in with humility that you don't know everything, but you're skilled in finding the people who can give the answers, or you can you know work on finding the the the, the answers, that's a different attitude. So if you go in with the mindset that you learn about it. Um, um, and you get better at it, uh, how can you fail? You know, somebody, uh, I think it was uh, O'Malley who in, in a book said, you know, when somebody tries, something magnificent happens. Mm. You all get better. Nobody gets worse from trying, right? Yeah. So the idea of stay with it and improve, but also measure yourself. Mm. Measure yourself against how you've, how you've performed uh, a week ago, a month ago, two months ago. So I'm constantly have learning goals. Um, when I'm, uh, you mentioned I'm CTO and CEO, when I was CTO, I was in charge of the technology and the, uh, the, the R&D world at SaaS, something I was very comfortable in. I came through that organization for 14 years uh, prior to be, being CTO, and then I became COO. And I, in addition to the technology, I'm also in charge of other, other functions. And that's a learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. That also means you have to communicate differently. So one of my goals is how do I change my communication so that I can reach this large organization that you communicate with differently than a team of 30 or, or 50. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so measure yourself. Have you know have people and 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 surround yourself with people that give you honest feedback on how you're doing, um, so so that you can improve your skills. I'm an introvert. Mm. I don't necessarily like to present or to speak, but I do a lot of that. So it's something you work on. You learn, you know, you you record yourself, you watch. Uh, it's painful. We yeah. all don't like to hear the sound <laughs> of our voice. It's true. Yeah. This is how I sound like to others. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are they thinking? <laughs> well, get over it. You can't change it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can you can learn how to present, how to project, prepare, prepare, prepare. So you're in, in, in control of the material. And so you get better at it. Mm. It's so true. It's so true. You know, even for me, uh, speaking was something that was learned. You know, no one wakes. And I actually saw my father. He's a he's a pastor in Houston, Texas. You know, I saw him speak my entire life, like every single day, every Sunday, speaking to his parish and church. But you still, you know, you may not kind of absorb that just by observation. You still have to kind of develop a learning model or some sort of regimen to improve your speaking. And it could be, you know, you creating videos and just watching and replaying and saying, okay, am I actually enunciating my words? Do I showcase confidence? Am I moving my hands? All of these things. And to your point, Oliver, what I love about what you said is that you have to try in order to get better. And I think often a lot of leaders or people when they get into leadership roles, even people leadership, is that you forget that you have to actually try to showcase compassion. You have to try to be proactive about, you know, Thinking about others' needs before your own, and that's how you get better as a leader. It's not a it's not a one week job. It's a it's really no. a time job. No, it's it's not a sprint. Um, and Simon Sinek also talks about it: consistency um, uh, and intensity. It's like going to the dentist twice a year. It's it's intense. Yeah. But if that's all you do, maybe your teeth will still fall out, as he says. You have to do be consistent and 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 brush and brush and brush in between every day. So you don't just go to a leadership seminar and think once it's done, you uh, you now have everything, you uh, all the skills that you need. You need to practice. You need to practice. You need to practice um, um, every day and, and observe yourself. Um, one of the things that really helps me, um, and that's difficult, is get out of your comfort zone. Do something that's uncomfortable. Wow. Um, and a few months ago with COVID, uh, for me, I play music. I like to play guitar. I played for about 20 years or so, and I play always for myself. Mm. Sometimes the neighbors, when I, you know, they, when the when I fire up the the Marshall half stack, they can't help it. But listen, <laughs> uh, I haven't called the the, the police yet. Um, but it's for me. It's a, it's a way. If I, I love music, I always say a day without music is a lost day. I, it's helped me de-stress and uh, decompress. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we sort of lost touch when we started to work from home. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the social interactions we were used to and they were really important to us uh, around the workplace, they were no longer there. And then we realized just how important that was, how we missed you know, the conversation of the water cooler or the going to lunch with people. And we, we started to email more. We started to communicate more in, in, with emails from the leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realized there's, something, there's still something missing. And then at one of the uh, communications, we decided to do it in, with a video from my home. And I, at the end, I, I picked up a guitar and just played a couple of riffs uh, from Here Comes the Sun. Mm. And after that, we decided we're going to make this a weekly thing where every Monday, um, I would over the week, I would record a piece of music and then sometimes alone, sometimes with collaborators from the company. And then we posted Mondays internally and let everybody have at it. None of it was perfect, 
Um, but it was a different way of communicating and employees told us, gave us the feedback. They were actually looking forward to what is Oliver going to do this Monday? What is he going to do? <laughs> you know, what, what, what is he going to play? And I really had to get out of my comfort zone knowing that you're now being recorded, you're playing music and you play with others and it's going to be viewed by thousands of people and they're going to leave their comments there. But I think as a leader, it's very important that you give your time and energy in service of others in the service of the organization. Time is very, very important because it's, it's kind of, um, we all have a limited amount of it. Mm. So if leaders give their time and their energy, it's very powerful and it, it builds trust in, 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 a, in a very meaningful way. So by doing this over and over, not just a one-time thing, but always being there every Monday for the employees, you know, for, for two months in a row or so uh, doing this, I think that helps the organization uh, look at you different as a leader. Um, it, 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 but also helped us to stay in touch in a way that we have not done before. And I was glad I got out of my comfort zone with that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go back to the early question, and I still want to show love to a lot of our community members who are showing all kinds of comments because they're loving what you're saying, Oliver. We'll get right back with you all soon. But back to that earlier question I asked you, Oliver, who was someone that kind of really shaped your leadership philosophy that, you know, you kind of look to to this day as like, wow, like I kind of I model a lot of their style, whether it be before you joined um, SAS or um, when you joined SAS? I do not have um, a particular person I am trying to emulate. Um, what I learned is, well, at SAS, I did not have very many managers, very many you know, people leading me. Um, I've been at the company for 16 years, but I had only like three or four managers in the whole, in 18 years in, in, in the whole time. What I did is I asked myself, who am I? And how do I want to lead people? Simon Sinek says, we all can be the leader we wish we had. So how would I want to be um, led? How do I want to be managed? How do I want to have my voice heard? And then tr try to compare this to how I see myself and how I operate. Um, and when I look at my time at SAS, I was in different roles. And looking back, I was not always the person I'm most proud of today. Right? Yeah. I say I could have done this better. I could be. I could handle this situation better. I could have listened more. Mm -hmm. I could have been less aggressive in this in this situation. Um, I could have resolved uh, this particular issue or problem in a different way. And so compare myself, compare it to myself and where I want to go. And then I, I read a lot of books. I uh, read a lot about leadership styles, but not just leadership, how you lead, but what are the successful teams? What are the the um, characteristics of teams that are performing well mm. and how do you now how do how can i map this into how i want to lead my my teams um, for example one of the things that is very important to me is communication collaboration and trust wow. and i think trust is sort of the it, everything starts with there if you don't have trust uh, we have a big problem and i but i see i see in large organizations it's my experience working you know at a, at a global company that we tend to be often siloed. We have these teams that we belong to, they become sort of our tribe, and this is my home, and this is what others are doing, and I don't really pay that much attention to what's going on in other divisions or in other functions. Um, I'm focusing on what I need to do, and I don't see the whole picture of how things come together. 
our customers, they see the whole picture because yeah. they get to experience our product. And they say, whoa, oh, I can, I think I can recreate the org chart from your products. <laughs> or even from your website, right? I'll yeah, that this comes from this team, this comes from this team. So it's yeah. not, you know, it's not like it's a, a multiple products that, that all look the same, feel the same, operate the same as it, as it should be. So I was thinking, how can you change the makeup of teams so we collaborate more, we communicate more, we create more agility mm. and, 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 and resilience in the process? Because I think this is really what, uh, what, is, what is important right now. If you look at how organizations respond to COVID, you, know, you have this, this, this trilogy of respond, recover, reimagine. First respond, what's going on? I, situational awareness. You know, many of our customers have asked us, Says, can you help us with visualization tools? Uh, for example, to identify this, where is the where is the virus in my municipality, in my state, in my country, and then from the, where is it moving? Where are the hotspots? Just being aware of what's going on. Then the recover phase is okay. I need to get back to business. What do I need to do? Hmm. All right. So we send everybody home. Now, how do we make this work? Do we have cybersecurity risks now that everybody's working from home on? on devices is not in, in the office. How do we make sure that we have the capacity, the networking and all that? Uh, how do we interact with our customers now that they no longer come to a store or that our travelers are no longer traveling? Yeah. And then it's the, the third phase is reimagine. Now, what, I, what do I need to do different? And what you're seeing is that organizations that are not, not just stable. Stable means you can weather a storm and you come out of it unharmed, unchanged. Organizations that are resilient, it means you weather a storm and you come out of it in better shape. That you've grown through this, that you've learned something from that, that they adapt uh, more easily to, to, uh, to this disruption. Disruption is nothing new, right? Yeah. We'll, there always will be disruption. As Simon Sinek says, the internet was incredibly disruptive. <laughs> True. But it, it didn't happen with the speed and the depth and the suddenness of this. I mean, within a couple of months, the economy shut down, right? We were totally unprepared for that. So that the, the, it's the suddenness of it and the depth that is, that is um, so feels, feels, feels different about this. But disruption will always be there. And so being agile enough so you can adapt to this, uh, that is really, really key. So when we see organizations that do relatively well, it are those, it are those that are already digital. Those have already digitally transformed. And those who more easily uh, take their work, put the workloads in the cloud, they have their workloads in the cloud, they can't just continue to work. And while you have business processes that depend on somebody picking up a piece of paper from a printer, mm. walking down the hall, somebody putting a stamp on it and goes up, up floor, you know, that, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad that some some companies still work like that. It's weird. <laughs> so I want to show love to Edith, who is saying you have to try in order to get better. It takes time, practice, and patience. You know, Hugh West, Mr. Boucher said, our only purpose outside of procreating is to learn and share what you've learned. I think it's called evolution. If you've ever lost in the sauce, just remind yourself, what else can I learn? It can be anything. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Mr. Boucher. That is truly, truly vivid. You know, Carl once more says, you know, you're no longer moving forward. The journey is already over. Love that so much. You know, thank you so much for joining us today, Oliver. You know, what is your powerful takeaway for our guy community 
on how they can embrace and kind of, I think, adapt into this lifelong learning mindset. Because now more than ever, as a lot of organizations are trying to adapt through COVID-19, and there's so many people, I think the other day I read upwards over 30 million people have currently filed for unemployment. You know, what do we do to continue to embrace this lifelong learning mindset? Uh, we need to make it we need to make it simple for people mm. to learn. I think the uh, traditional you know, uh, way of, 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 of uh, uh, building skills over a longer period of time in a very focused area is under is uh, is under the gun. You know, your traditional universal university teaching, uh, it's just not not just because of COVID and the way the universities have to adapt right now um, is it, it is somewhat in question. When I think about the the universities I've worked for, where were they when I needed those new skills? I want an organization that stays with me, right? That is my guide and my partner in lifelong learning. So when I start, I'll be guide, I love that. <laughs> there you go. When when I changed from being an, a professor in academia to becoming a software developer, I would have loved them to be there and help me develop my C programming skills, which is I don't need at the time. When when I moved into a in a people management role, I would have loved them to be there to help me with my communication skills, my my presentation skills, my people management skills. Uh, when I became COO, I would have loved them to help me to be there uh, to help me with to understand the business of the business, uh, how, how to be an, an executive in a in a global company, how to understand the the, the financials and to make smart business decisions. Um, it. It was a lot of my own energy and my own drive to do this. Um, and so we, I would love to have that partner along the way, uh, my partner in, in, in lifelong learning that's there to support me in as these transitions happen. And hopefully these transitions will happen for all of us. You know, I, I often speak with interns and I speak with, with students in college and I ask them, what are you studying today? Mm. Whatever field is electrical engineering, uh, marketing, whatever it is. Do you think that 20 years from now you'll be working in that discipline? Yeah. Many of them think, yes, that's my chosen path. But so forestry was for me the chosen path. <laughs> and yeah. being in academia was the chosen path at some point. And being a statistician was the chosen path. And being a developer was the chosen path. But it changed. Um, and there was only one time in my career when I had a goal, when I said, this is what I want to be. Hmm. This is when I've... Um, um, I, I followed my major professor and wanted to be a, an academician, a statistician at an American research university. Um, and when I achieved that, a year later, I left. Not mm. because I was unhappy or because it was not what it, it didn't turn out what it what I hoped it would be. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. But I realized it was a, it was a, a goal that I set myself. It was just a flag in, the, if you will that I planted and I achieved, I got there. And so where do you go from here? You have to have, you know, you have to grow beyond that. It's just not my personality to stand still and say, okay, I've got to, I've gotten to this point and I'll stop here. This is it. Um, since I've come to SAS, I've had six or seven different careers at the company for others. They will have, you know, careers at different companies, but don't think of it as jobs. It's really, different careers with different skill sets yeah. and the entire arc. That's what makes, you know, uh, 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 hopefully a fulfilling career path, uh, wherever, wherever it takes you. Um, 
So keep your eyes open. Mm. I also uh, I also would recommend associate yourself with individuals, mentors, but also organizations that foster that lifelong learning, that foster that idea of growth. Mm. I realize, you know, when I come came to the company, we're going to have a long term relationship. That's what was the, the plan. Um, today, employees often have a, a shorter term view. They said, I'm here for a tour of duty, if you will. Yeah. I'm here for a certain number of years and I hope to advance. I have goals. I want to maybe in three to five years, I want to be a CEO of a startup. That's cool. Great. Okay. How can I, as an executive of the company, help you get there? Mm. And in return, how do you contribute to the goals of my company in the meantime, right? Yeah. So it's a much more mutual relationship where we both are trying to support each other and fulfill each other's goals, even if the breakup is built into the relationship from the get-go. It's yeah. okay. The tour of duty, as um, um, Reid Hoffman calls it, everyone has a tour of duty that they go through within a company. But as long as you have that kind of alignment with your people manager or your leadership team, it's okay. It's a part of the journey. Yeah, and it's been uh, employees that uh, I've mentored, I've worked with, uh, and I hated seeing mm -hmm. them leave. You know, they they went on to to pursue other things, and I love watching them grow. And you know, I hope many of them, some of them, will come back and say, "My next tour of duty is 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 one at SAS again." Yeah, so yeah. I think in this way, we're in a different um, we, have, we have now a different relationship between employer and employee, and that's that's cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's my role to make sure that we create environments where people bring their whole self and can bring their best mm -hmm. rather than asking, how do I get the most out of people? No, how do I create the environment where people are the most creative, most innovative, environments that are diverse and inclusive? Well, people have fun doing what, what they do, where they collaborate. And I'll tell you what, productivity and all that will solve itself. Because okay. if, you build, if you build it into the systems and, and, and allow people... Uh, to work in that way, they will be incredibly productive. Absolutely love that. Oliver, it was truly an honor and joy having you on the show. You know, thank you so much. Where can the people continue to follow a lot of the work that you're doing in SaaS and a lot of your thought leadership? Well, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on LinkedIn. O. Schabenberg is my my <laughs> handle on both. Um, also, you know, at SaaS, we, we blog a lot. Uh, visit our, our website. Um, I'm fairly active on social media. Um, and I would love to connect with you. Let me know that you saw this uh, 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 this podcast from from Tim, and I would love. I look forward to chatting more with with all of you about it. Please do, and if you learned anything from this, because I know I learned a ton, please tag us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Mention Oliver, mention Tim, and we would love to engage and post and actually just reply back to your comments. Oliver, thank you so much. Can we please have you on for a future episode? Sure, I'd love to. <laughs> we should write a book, Oliver. I did. Been there, done that. Oh, been there, done that. Oh my goodness! I need to read the book. No, no, no. The, oh, the, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, this is from my time in academia. They are textbooks. Oh, no, You might like them. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they, 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 they were books I used. Um, uh, well, if we have another minute, I'll tell you that in academia, you you work on books, right? This is yeah. really my way. It was my way of turning my thoughts and my teaching materials into something that's consumable by others. But mm. you also do it because you want to use your own book for teaching. Yeah. Well, I always was behind finishing the book and moving on. So I actually never, ever <laughs> I got to teach a class from one of my books. 
But I know others do, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can definitely see you writing a book on lifelong learning, literally. And what does that look like in this new age? I can see it, man. I can see it. Well, I'll think about it. <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> Appreciate you, Oliver. Talk soon, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Tim. Bye. Bye. Man, and that was another powerful episode with the lovely Oliver from SAS. Please check out Mr. Schopenberger, the amazing Oliver Schopenberger. He's on LinkedIn. He's on Twitter. He's super prolific and he's super passionate about lifelong learning. And what does that look like in today's modern age? And let me know if you love this podcast episode. Show us some love on LinkedIn. Show us some love on Twitter. You all know me. Super active online. Super active in the DMs. If you have any feedback on what we can, can do to continue improving future episodes, I am all ears, literally all ears. So let me know. I'm always in the DMs talking to our amazing community members. Once again, go guy. Thank you all so much. We've been getting so much love on our movement and what we're doing to really change the narrative around learning and talent development and really the future of work. So please show us some love. If you're interested in being a part of our beta, check out guide app dot co guideapp.co sign up for our early beta access waitlist we have a whole bunch of companies in the waitlist and it's just filling up filling up filling up filling up so this podcast is one of the best podcasts in the world hands down people keep telling me about it and i keep telling them we're grateful we appreciate you showing us love and tuning in every single week and every single weekday as well you know i have someone tell me that their child actually listens to our podcast so i'm like Yo, thank you so much. <laughs> Didn't even know we were re reaching children um, way beyond, you know, Oakland, right? So it's truly amazing where this podcast has grown to. And we're incre incredibly grateful and thankful for everyone that's participating and is a part of our movement and is interested in checking out Guide once we go public. So definitely check out guideapp.co if you want to be a part of our early access beta program. With that said, much love to all of you who tuned in today. Thank you so much, Edith. Thank you so much, Mr. Boucher. Thank you so much, Mr. Milsom. Thank you so much, my friend, Mr. Jakal, who's tuning in from ATL. Always a pleasure tuning in with you amazing, amazing community leaders and members who are part of our guide movement. Please, please, please tune in tomorrow where I believe I have another special guest for you who you are going to love. As always, peace, love, and abundance. And once again, much love to Oakland. Hope everyone in Oakland is having a great, great afternoon. Talk soon, y'all. Peace.